Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of our Economics in Business podcast series. Today, I'm joined by John Hawksworth, our Chief Economist in the UK firm, and we're going to be talking about some recent research his team have done looking at the impact of automation on jobs. This issue has gained a lot of attention recently, especially in light of the growing debate on globalisation and inequality. Recent studies looking at the impact of automation have found very different estimates of the impact on jobs. For example, a recent study from Oxford University by Fred Osborne found that almost 50% of jobs in the US could be at high risk of automation by the early 2030s. But a later study by the OECD found this number to be nearer 10%. John, can you tell us a little bit, little bit about what you found in your study, please? We came up with an estimate somewhere in the middle of those two earlier studies uh, with a possibly around 30% of existing UK jobs at high risk of automation by the early 2030s and a bit higher than that in the US. But I think it's also important that we also looked at the positive side of the equation. So we also looked at some of the potential job gains and productivity gains from automation uh, so that you, you get a more balanced picture of the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are kind of the biggest determinants of um, jobs at risk? What kind of determines which ones will be more likely to be at risk? Well, I think it depends upon the kind of tasks that are involved in the job. So if they're fairly routine tasks that can easily be uh, written down in a computer program or an algorithm, then they tend to be more automatable. And so what we and some of the other studies have done is to look in detail at an OECD survey of the, the tasks that are involved in each different type of job in different countries and different industry sectors. And on the basis of that, we can get an estimate as to uh, what the risk of automation would be based on that task profile. So what implications does this have for which industries would most likely to be at risk? Well, what we found was that probably the highest risk uh, of the major employers was in the transport sector. We can think things like driverless vehicles, trucks, and cars, and so on. Uh, that potentially has a risk by the early 2030s of over 50%, both in the UK and other major economies. Other sectors that would be relatively high up would be manufacturing, but we've already seen a lot of automation, so it's really a consisting, uh, continuing existing trends. And also potentially retailing, where what we see increasingly is that sales are done online, which involves a degree of automation, and they're then delivered from warehouses rather than shops, and those warehouses are possibly more, more open to automation over time than, than current retail shops would be. So given we know which industries might be more at risk, can we infer which type of workers will be most at risk in terms of education and gender? Well, I think certainly we find that while potentially uh, workers of all educational levels might be at risk, it, it does tend to hit particularly those with lower levels of skills, let's say in the UK sort of GCSE or lower, uh, the risk factor would be much higher than, than for graduates, for, for example, on average. Uh, and in terms of um, men and women, well, actually, interestingly, some of the highest risk sectors are things like transport and manufacturing, which, just for historical reasons, have a high proportion of male employment. So we actually find that whereas the overall risk factor might be about 30%, it might be more like 35% on average for men and only about 25% for women. So actually, it's, it's somewhat in favour of, uh, of female employment. And in your study, you also looked at a few other OECD countries, so Germany, the US, and Japan, and you found that the US and Germany faced greater risk, potentially, than the UK, while Japan a lower risk. Can you talk a little bit about why the estimates vary so much by country? Well, I think um, for Germany, it's partly because they have a larger industrial sector that tends to be more 
automatable, so that's probably the biggest single factor. For the US, that's not so much the reason, because their, their industry structure is very similar to the UK. But what we found when we drilled down into the US figures, and this is also a feature of the Oxford University study, is that if you look at something like financial services in the US, it actually tends to, to be more focused on retail financial services, banks, insurance companies all around the US. Um, often with people doing relatively routine jobs which are open to being automated. Whereas in the UK, on average, the jobs tend to be higher skill, requiring more educated people, things like the City of London, which have a degree of automation risk, certainly. I mean, we estimate about 30%, but not, not as high as in the US on average. So that, that was one of the reasons there. With Japan, in some ways, the results were a bit surprising because we actually found a lower risk of automation, despite the fact they have quite a large manufacturing sector. And again, this is when we drilled down into the results of things like retailing. It just seemed that the nature of the jobs there involved a higher level of skills, and on average, a higher level of education, and therefore seemed less automatable than the UK, even though Japan is actually furthest advanced in robotic technology. So that, that might go the other way. So there's some complex factors at work here. And actually, for all of the countries, we're talking about risks of probably the order of 20 to 40% of existing jobs by the early 2030s. So in all of the countries, this is an issue. You can argue about precisely you know, whether it's slightly more or slightly less for this or that country, but all of the advanced economies face a, a similar set of uh, issues going forward on this. Okay, so to what extent does your methodology consider the legal and regulatory constraints that might restrict automation in practice, or the actual costs of you know, implementing new technology and replacing workers? Well, that, that's not something that's directly captured by the statistical models, but it is something that's important and that we discuss in the report. So I think what we can see, you know, within, if you look at something like driverless vehicles, there could be all sorts of legal and regulatory issues about you know, safety standards needing to be high, insurance, liabilities, various other things in terms of building trust in the public before you can fully go ahead with things like driverless vehicles on a confident way. And, and, and the intermediate stage for something like trucks would be that you, you might have a, a truck that in principle was capable of driving itself, but you still need a human there as a fail-safe. And so, you know, initially the two might work together, but eventually you might get to the point where, you know, public confidence and regulations are at the level that you don't need that. So it will evolve over time. And the same is true of the cost levels. I mean, many of these technologies are not really cost-effective to be done on a large scale now. They're really prototypes that are relatively expensive. But if we're looking 10, 15 years ahead, as we are trying to do in this study, and what we've seen with other technologies is that the unit costs tend to come down quite sharply over time. And so what doesn't seem competitive now might well seem you know, much more competitive in 10, 15 years' time in terms of cost. Okay. So you've talked a bit already about the fact that those with lower educational backgrounds might be more at risk of losing their jobs. Um, so what are the kind of implications for government and public policy and what should they be looking to do to help those and prevent um, a further rise of inequality? Well, the key issue is around education and training, and I think that has to be lifelong learning. You know, it's because people are going to have to possibly change jobs more often as technology advances, and they have to adapt to that. So, you know, your forty or fifty year year old truck driver in twenty thirty might need to retrain, you know, to work in a quite different sector, like say healthcare, where we think there will still be quite a lot of demand for, for employment. So, that there's going to have to be, you know, a real investment both by government and potentially working with business and universities and other. Uh, training providers to actually uh, enable that kind of lifelong learning on a much bigger scale than we have now. So that's the first sort of key 
issue. I think the second issue is whether you also have to redistribute incomes to a certain extent. If if this if this sort of technological development is really helping the the technological elites, you know, the, the people who are the entrepreneurs and the big technology companies, as well as the people with a, a very high level digital skills. And maybe you need to have a mechanism for redistributing some of that income. And even people in places like Silicon Valley have therefore become attracted to ideas like having some sort of basic minimum income guarantee for people uh, so that some of that wealth is, is redistributed and there's a kind of safety net for people at the bottom who, who may, at least for a period of time, you know, lose their jobs because of these technologies. And so I think we have to think about how we combine that uh, education and retraining, lifelong learning with, with some sort of enhanced social safety net. So much of the debate around automation focuses on the negatives and the risks to jobs. But there are undoubtedly going to be many positives to technological progress and the possibility of significant offsetting job and income gains. Can you talk a little bit about these, please? Yes, I mean, really, the history of the last 250 years, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, there's always been one of technological change driving productivity growth, which then drives higher real incomes and higher living standards. So we don't you know, see that 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 sort of, if you like, law of economic nature is going to change going forward. But because these technologies are happening much faster, it, it could be quite disruptive. But still, I think there are many positives. Firstly, there will be new jobs created in areas like AI, robotics, you know, everything from the people who write the computer programs, to the people who design the robots, to the people who repair and maintain the robots. So there's going to be lots of jobs directly, new jobs that we perhaps even don't have a name for now in 15, 20 years that will come, come on the scale. And secondly, I think as that that boost to productivity occurs, and we've had a big productivity problem in the UK in the last 10 years, so we actually need more productivity growth, that will enable those people who are still in jobs to, to, to have higher incomes. They will spend those incomes, they'll be recycled into the economy, and that will create demand for jobs elsewhere. And you can see things like an aging population creating demand for jobs in things like healthcare, social care, and so on. You know, while robots and AI might play a role there, they're, they're not going to replace the need for a human touch, I would, I would uh, suggest, in those kind of areas. So there will be demand for jobs in those areas, but there will be a different kind of jobs than the sort of jobs that exist now or that existed 20, 30 years ago. Will those jobs be more suited to um, those with greater educational backgrounds? To some degree, but I think there could also be you know, a question of vocational jobs. So it may be a matter of vocational training if you want to be a social care worker, if you want to be a nurse, you know, doctor, you know, an element of vocational training. So it may be associated with academic education in some cases, but in other cases it may be just associated with vocational training and having the kind of right kind of human, if you like, soft skills to actually you know, deal with people and provide that human touch that the robots and the AI systems uh, you know, probably still won't be able to do, at least in 15 years, you know, 50 or 100 years, you know, who knows? Who knows? Well, thanks very much for coming to talk to us, John. It's been a very interesting discussion on a very topical issue. And if you'd like to read more about this research, head over to our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash UKEO. And please subscribe to our channel for future podcasts. Mm -hmm.